0: How's everyone doing today? Uh, It's your
1: co-host Durbin with Synonyms of Sound. And this is your second co-host, Tony. And I'm very excited to introduce William and Daniel, um, founder and co-founder of Bax. How's it going, guys? What's going on? Happy to be here. Good to be on with you, fellas.
0: Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. I'm really excited for this episode. Um, Learn more about uh, the origin story here and uh, what you guys are cooking up, actually. Oh, yeah
1: all right so i want to first start off by saying congratulations on your most recent um fundraising um three million dollars i think that's a huge number Uh, but before jumping into that tell us a little bit about yourselves um what got you into the space of creating the company bags or why did you think there was a need Uh, but love to know the backstory before that so like tell us a little bit about you guys
2: cool um oh we went to high school together actually Right, so that's the like OG, or
1: ah,
2: and so we we we've known each other for for some time now.
1: Um, All right, for those so, who don't know, who's Daniel? Who's William? For for yeah, for so a video I'm, audience.
2: I'm, oh, yeah. I'm Yankees cat. um
1: I okay. tried to
3: put the names down there in case they show up on the right <laughs> side. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm William. Uh, All right, cool, cool. So you guys went to high school together.
3: Yeah, that's the that's the origin story. We went to we went to mm-hmm. high school together. Daniel was a year ahead of me, a little bit of a mentor figure, uh, awesome. in those early years. Um, and then, you know, we split up uh, both went to college. Uh, I went down to Wake Forest University in North Carolina. Um, and my my path into tech entrepreneurship is not a not a typical one. Um, I was an English literature major writing yeah. you know, my thesis. I wrote my thesis dystopian fiction. Uh, and uh and and when i when it came time to go out and uh uh and enter the workforce i didn't really know where i was going to go so i got a job that i could get and and i started off in crisis management consulting so working for major fortune 500 companies on critical issues um it was really you know a brand storytelling effort but a lot of those a lot of those things that we were working on were major mergers and acquisitions uh, really bad situations that were affecting brand reputation, um, crisis litigation. And it was super interesting work. I was uh, I was exposed to the C-suite of some of the biggest companies in the world from a very early, early point in my career. Um, but really, I, I had a, a desire to get more creative um, and drive more impact the whole time. So uh, ultimately, I went over to IPG, which is one of the big four marketing holding companies, and built a case within their largest media agency, and uh, and that capability was to help brands make film and television projects that were entertainment instead of advertising. So I became a film producer, um, but a, you know, a film producer with job security at one of the biggest companies in the world, Fortune 100. Uh, so it was a little, a little safer. Um, that went well enough that ultimately I was tapped to uh, work with the Chief Content Officer and build a net of the holding company and build a net new film and television production company for IPG called Traverse Thirty Two, and mm-hmm. uh, a couple of experiences just pointing me in the direction of trying to uh, trying to do something more direct to affect change in the storytelling ecosystem, which was namely that whenever a project was coming down the pipeline, you know we built some marketplace technology that would take a brand. And a top Hollywood director, and compare the affinity of their audiences to know whether they were a good fit to create content. Um, That's interesting. I would see a lot of people. I would see a lot of people come to the table for the deals, um, and we were there. Was always a lot of intention behind who came to the table, and to really get a diverse range of voices in. But across Hollywood, I saw more and more um, that the folks who ended up walking away with the deal were, were people who looked a lot like me, the decision mm-hmm. makers. Who determined what stories got told were folks that looked a lot like me, um, and that doesn't reflect the culture that we aspire to. It doesn't reflect the society that we're a part of. And so I really started thinking about uh, ways that that I could I could shake things up and make change um, in the creative industry specifically to make sure that people who are growing up uh, anywhere in the country that have a story to tell have the opportunity to tell that story uh, to a major audience, and that that set me down a path of, of developing my own film and television production model. The first person I called was my friend, Daniel. Um, okay, and we began looking into that, um, right, right in 2020. So the, the day we were ready to sort of launch off and, and, and start to test that project, uh, the pandemic struck, and no one's going to shoot any film and television, uh, and during a global pandemic, the lockdown started. Uh, so that, that project went to the table. Um, Unfortunately, was still was still working in a day job at that point. Um, and a few months later, we got started in earnest. But I'll let Daniel jump in and give
2: some background. Yeah. Um, so that company, William Reference, was was pleased, don't touch the art. Um, you know, my, my quick two cents and background, I uh, went, went to Brown. Um, following Brown, I actually played soccer professionally overseas. So I played in not Sweden and Greece. Uh um, nice. oh, wow. the biggest thing that gave me really was time right like you know I, I come from a background where i you know played soccer in college it was just like do my work socialize like play soccer that was my life mm-hmm. um and i tried to start a couple businesses in college and didn't necessarily get anywhere besides an events company here and there um and then while i was playing i had time and so i ended up actually starting two companies um a sports agency and a tech company um, the sports agency has been around for the last eight years now and the tech company um, was called Ask Tipster. Um, you know, we started off in the fashion technology space, building tools to help connect regular people to professional styling virtually. Um, and then we pivoted to help brands connect with customers, um, and essentially, you know, through different things like chat widgets and other types of tooling for the purpose of conversion.
1: And cool. so. And I saw you um, sold that successfully in 2019. Yeah,
2: so I sold that sold that in 2019 um, to to Flowcode, which is a, a QR code media company started by Tim Armstrong. You know, for those who don't know Tim, Tim was you know one of the early hires. At Google um, ran Google partnerships for quite some time. Ended up taking over AOL, did the Yahoo AOL merger, went to Verizon, Oath. So he's one of these like OG tech guys, um, and we, we were really fortunate to. One, sell a business to him, but two, build a really good relationship with him. Cause like, you know, the reality is it's, it's, it's kind of a club, right? Like, you know, Tim, yep. Tim's in the club and everyone else is trying to get in there. And, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but he was, he, 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 you know, from that has been a, has been a huge asset for us. But, um, so I spent a year building out the product and growth teams. And then, you know, honestly following that and, and William and I actually, we were working on please don't touch the art in our spare time. COVID hit then, you know, May uh, 2020 following the murder of George Floyd. Um, you know, I, I, think it was a, a, a point of reflection for me as a, as a black entrepreneur who had the opportunity, honestly, and the privilege to go down the mm-hmm. entrepreneurial path. Um, and how in reality, like, I, you know, and I think about myself, like there's actually a ton of incredible entrepreneurs that exist all throughout the U S and beyond who look like me, who might not have that same level of access and access Mm -hmm. actually is the determining factor of their potential starting even, you know, and success forward. And so, um, so William and I literally like would protest all the day, he would do his day job at night. And then like in the middle of the night, we started like, like working on ideas, right? Of just like, what could we do? What could we build? Um, and, and I spoke to a mentor of mine, a guy named Damian Duane,
1: um, Mm -hmm. you
2: know, black man just built an incredible investment business. And I was like, Hey, I, I, you know, I want to raise a fund. I want to, and he was just like, listen, man, you don't, you don't know the investment world, but you know, is how to build tools that, that connect people to things online. Just do that. Right. Like be part of the solve of the problem, but come at it from the angle of tech. Right. And so, yeah, that's smart. you know, from that moment for us, it was just like, yo, why don't we, we should build some type of tech to help people get access to money. That's it, right? Get access to financing so that you know, essentially, they can grow their business, hire more people in their communities, build their own equity, and generate wealth, right? Got um, it. And so we we started off there um, and just like yeah, we started to just do it, connect people to dollars, right? We used all our cool. relationships and um, um, you know made those introductions to. Investors and lenders, and, and you know, we came to find that the vast majority of the businesses we spoke to, um, um, you know, in reality, like were great businesses that weren't necessarily a fit for venture, but like in reality, like were growing and needed capital. Um, well, I got it. Toss it to you. From
0: talk a little bit more about that. What would you guys so say was the for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what would you guys say was the hardest part about that process? Um, just getting organized and, I guess, creating the pipeline of businesses to present to some of your network of as course. like viable, like um, you know, opportunities.
2: I mean, it, it was so interesting. Like we, when we first started,
0: we kept hearing the, all right, like where are the businesses?
2: Where are the opportunities? Right? And investors are literally. I was getting on the phone with VCs going, hey, like can you intro me to good founders? Like, I just, I don't have that pipeline. Are they out there? And honestly, for us, it wasn't that hard, right? Like we would, it literally was, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're, you know, this is what our end goal is. Do you know a black, otherwise diverse or women owned, black or otherwise diverse founder who needs help Who needs financing, who Mm -hmm. needs connections, relationships. And, The intro Mm -hmm. just started pouring in. Got it. the hardest hardest thing for us
3: was, you know, it's the same thing today, it's time. Like that's the most valuable resource we're ever gonna have. And when there's a social justice movement that we care deeply about and wanna be involved in immediately, and also we have this long-term vision towards how we can actually affect something that's tangibly making a difference, uh, juggling against what we need in order to meet our basic needs uh, Mm -hmm. as humans, you know and we choose to live in new york um which is a privilege in itself uh making sure that we had the time to actually execute on everything we need needed was the challenge the rest of it sort of fell into
1: place when we just started looking earnestly got it so how did you guys come up with the name bags um what's what's the origin story of the name because it was really interesting I like bags i'm like all right i could see how they could play in the hip-hop culture let's go get let's go get that bag but Let me hear, where did the name come from for you guys?
3: Bags for a long time. Bags is actually relatively new. Uh, It was a a rebrand that we went through. Originally, when we didn't even know what the business was gonna be, we had a name. That name was Amp. Uh, You two are probably familiar with uh, that name as being part of a new uh, Clubhouse-esque business that was recently recently launched by Amazon. which wouldn't have been convenient for our search engine optimization. But as we went through Makes the process, sense, yeah. you know, something became very clear to us. And that was, we do one thing really well. We help entrepreneurs get capital. And we needed a name that was gonna convey that. And we were sitting with our with one of our advisors one night over Thai food. And uh, mm-hmm. we were talking about like, we need a rebrand. We know this, this thing with the same names coming down the pipeline. Our name doesn't and amp was a was a reference to an old Toni Morrison quote where she said yeah. we don't okay. need any more writers as solitary heroes we need a heroic writers movement assertive militant pugnacious so it was an acronym it was that it was those three values assertive militant pugnacious is what we wanted to see from the movement for productive change but it wasn't as directly relevant to our day to day and um, we were throwing things back and forth as like cabbage no that already exists. Lettuce, <laughs> not
2: like kind of confusing. And
3: then Daniel
2: just sort of said,
3: "What about bags?"
2: And and, and to be honest, that that came from <laughs> uh, we were a year ago. Now we're coming up upon a year. Uh, my mother went on a girls trip, right, uh, with with a few of her friends. Hopefully, it's not the movies' girls in trip. the group. Na-na-na-na-na. No, 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 no. Next thing we know in the family group chat my mom's like screaming like yo like let's get that bag like like i want more bags like and we're like what what is what are you saying who did you speak to right like like Mm -hmm. mom like you know it's 60 61 what what are we talking about um and that (laughs) christmas ended up getting my mom a shirt that literally said like like more bags on the shirt and so like that's why it was kind of in my head, and then honestly, when we were talking about it, we were like, "Oh, like, what if we? Wouldn't it be funny if we called it like bags? Like, you know, secure the bag." Like, and, and honestly, mm-hmm. I went online, and I saw the domain securebags.com, and I was like, "Oh, wait this this is this is it? Like, this could work. This could work for SEO. It fits. Like, let's 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 go." Um, and, and I like to be clear, I love the
1: name. I love the name, and it it makes sense. No, I mean, it
2: it's just, it's, it's, it's not like, but to be clear, like we're not your classic FinTech company. Like we're not like, that's the whole point. Right. Um, we want to bring culture into the center of everything we do. And I think that connects back to like, you know, everyone's
3: saying where are these businesses, where are these businesses? Well, every, all, everyone wants to talk to the businesses that we get to talk to every day. And right. we're, we're blessed to do that, but the reality is that we know how to meet them where they're at in a way that they understand with what they need. And that's what it takes to earn trust. And trust is the core variable
0: for our entire success. Awesome. And in in terms of uh, the the raise, Yeah. How, uh, I guess, how actively were you guys finding opportunities for your customers before that happened?
2: Uh, pre- pretty actively. Right, like on, honestly, it, it was. It, it started. You know, we, we, we essentially started operating under this model, which is connecting businesses to different types of lenders, um, but primarily equitable lenders, uh, about a year ago, and it started with one business uh, company called BAO, um, and you know, essentially we they had to purchase orders from a large retailer, um, and we connected them with you know, a behavior-based loan to get them some inventory financing and like, boom, like that changed their, you know, five, $10,000 a month to getting, you know, $50,000 worth of inventory, worth of, uh, purchase orders filled. Right. Um, and so that's kind of the model that started it all. And, um, you know, we essentially got sort of the first few reps under our belt and we're kind of doing uh, one or two business a month, three to four businesses a month, 10, 20, and so on. Um and as that trend line started to to increase, um, you know, that was when we kind of realized, okay, like it's it's that time to to go out and 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 try to find the right investors to to back what we're doing. Um and you know, we we we'd raised about a million dollars to that point um from different mm-hmm. types of angel investors. Um but like for us to really, really take a shot into building what we needed to build to do this at scale, which is always our dream you know, we, we needed some real fuel.
1: Gotcha. And I think you guys raised a total about 5 million in total with everything from a couple articles I
2: read online. So yeah, total $4 million. Um, so Four. got it. You know, a million in pre-C capital, um, uh, 3 million in C capital. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, listen, the, 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 raise itself was, you know, we could get on here and be like, Hey, it was easy. And it was great. This and that but to be honest like and, and any founder who tells you that probably isn't necessarily telling you the truth because um it's, it's a grind right like you know we started raising money last march right we didn't get first check in until may and we closed in october right like got it end of september and so you know we were we were
0: definitely as a ricker
2: you know what i mean so like that that was that that was the hustle that was you know 60 initial meetings, right? 40 follow-up meetings, right? Like due diligence with a couple dozen different VCs, right? Like it's, I've been doing that full time for a little while, but I I think what we found is, you know, we've managed to connect with investors who really at our core before we walked into the building, believe in the problem and solving the problem that we're talking about, right? Either they've experienced it firsthand, or they know people who have, um, and they really see it as an incredible opportunity. Um, because I, I, I think I think small businesses, in reality, like the largest, most underserved, you know, sort of asset class of business in the in the U.S. Right? That's also growing okay. at a tremendous rate. right? You're talking across the diverse, uh, diverse women-owned
1: businesses. That's 20 million businesses right there.
2: 4 million yeah, so, right?
1: like, that's really, so I was looking at an interesting article um, based on what you're just saying. So 9.2 million minority-owned small businesses. There are 11.7 yeah. women-owned small businesses in the U.S. And what's interesting, yeah. these segments are still rapidly growing, but the interesting part is that 99% of those businesses will never raise venture capital or get access to that, which I thought was, like, really crazy. There's so many of them, yeah, but yeah. why wouldn't they... Do that so any thoughts about that would be interesting
2: yeah, I mean, the, the reality
3: is that not every business wants to be a venture capital scale business or just, you know, mm-hmm. when when uh, when venture capital is looking at something they're they're trying to get a, a significant multiple on their investment back at some point and that means they're investing in a company that I think is going to get acquired for hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars hundred million dollars is, is actually like probably considered a loss for a series, a uh, mm-hmm. venture capital <laughs> investor. So like the hundred, if, if building your business to a hundred million dollar valuation, isn't good enough, like how many people are actually setting out to say, I want to own my own restaurant. I'm going to open a barber shop," I'm going to start a, an apparel brand and think that they're going to generate that because particularly in like consumer goods, mainstream businesses, venture capital isn't designed to work for them. The problem is that mm-hmm. since venture capital is so hot in like the cultural zeitgeist everyone thinks of it as top of mind, when it wasn't really the right fit in the first place.
1: Got it. So yeah, how do I you mean, help I, them I, get I, access I, I, to I funds?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, so, you know, we did the work from the get-go of really trying to go out and one, find the dollars that are actually meant to help solve this problem, right? Like dollars that are meant mm-hmm. To be lent to diverse, limited businesses, specifically small businesses, um, and so you know we realize that there there, there are these financial institutions called CDFIs, um, Community Development Financial Institution. Like honestly, I didn't know a CDFI existed until you know a few years ago, right? So, um, and essentially, what they're meant to do—they're nonprofit lenders who, because they're nonprofits and they get their money from the SBA, larger banks, and other institutions, like they can afford to deploy, receive and redeploy at rates that are actually pretty low compared to market. Right. Uh, you know, in reality, that's the most affordable way for you to get a small business loan in America. But the problem is, is okay. that one, most people don't really, necessarily know they exist. And two, what we found is, you know, like the criteria for applying to these different products is like hard to find. And then three, like it's it's a bit of a Google problem to be honest, right? Like when you go on Google and you search small business loan, you're gonna see all these options that in reality have nothing to do with business, where your business is at, what your, how, like how much revenue you have, right? Your credits, like all these other factors, how many assets that are relevant to getting a loan aren't incorporated to your Google search, right? So you're Got seeing it. options and what's happening is most people are just going and applying to different products and to be clear, like, we're getting denied at higher rates than, you know, honestly, our white counterparts. And so what we mm-hmm. realize is, okay, well, the reality is, is there's options that exist out there. We just got to make sure that they're truly discoverable. We understand mm-hmm. really what it means to be a good candidate for that lender. And then we're going to work with each business and our product to essentially make sure that they're only applying to things that they actually have a high percentage chance of being approved for. Because like it. like honestly like time is everything right small businesses they yeah, don't have a lot absolutely. of time and not a lot of money like we can at least give them a little bit of time back so that they can get more money.
0: Got it. Nice. I'd imagine. Um. I'd imagine. Uh. Just with some of the numbers you guys mentioned about um the meetings and uh, connecting with various different VCs looking for the right investor. When you guys found that batch of like uh, who you felt was the right right folks, what was that pitch like? Or or like, was (laughs) was there someone that you you met and it was like, holy shit, we're pitching to this person. Like, this would be the perfect investor for us. And and like, how did that go?
2: So our lead, they're a firm based in Los Angeles called Slauson and Co., Um, founded by uh, Austin and AJ, and. and they're interesting from the get-go because Austin's background comes from traditional venture capital. AJ's background comes from entertainment and he's an entrepreneur himself. Right. Yeah. Um, he, he's got a business with Issa Rae, for example. And, and so, you know, when we sat down and had our first meeting with them, like, you know, they did the classic VC, okay, tell us about yourself, X, Y, and Z. And then they, I could tell they kind of looked at each other like, well, like, this is interesting because the core thesis of why and how we started was shared in their core thesis around why and how they started as a firm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then honestly, I went out to LA a couple mm-hmm. weeks later to sit down with them. And, work. and we talked about the intricacies of our business, but, but to be real, like, like we just like shot the ship with them. Like we just like, it, it was as if sitting down with two, two homies and just like really diving deep into the problems at hand um um mm-hmm. and and, and it, it it felt like it was less so of a pitch and more so of a conversation around what's the right type of solution and how could we better our hypothesis in solving that right so we knew immediately that we were like we're talking to the right people here because we're not having to convince them that like diverse small businesses There's a need for our business needing yeah. fun right like and to be clear, yeah. a bunch of the people we spoke to couldn't mm-hmm. really wrap their heads around that as a problem, right? And so, yeah. like, that's how far we needed to go in terms of who we spoke to and who we did.
1: That makes sense. Amazing. So, and beyond how, how getting people the, um, access to money, ma- sorry, sorry, uh, beyond getting people access to money, do you like continue a lag. to follow their path or their journey onwards, like? I feel it's one well, yeah. thing to get the money, but how do you ensure that they're successful afterwards?
3: Well, that's exactly what differentiates us from people who have done you know, a loan origination model in the past. Like, There's plenty of companies out there that'll help you find a loan, but they're driven by, they wanna make as much money as possible on the origination and they're handing an entrepreneur a loan and saying, okay, have fun with it, see you next time whatever that is, we actually are very intentional about how we support entrepreneurs through the whole funding cycle of the lifetime of their business. An entrepreneur doesn't awesome. just need to figure out how to get capital now, they need to get capital now and know where their next capital injection is gonna come from, and probably the one after that too. So one thing we're building now is a debt management product, so entrepreneurs can view all the loans, their business credit cards all in one place, pay them down as efficiently as possible to save money, and then refinance when they're eligible with automated alerts. And that's gonna change the whole game. So an entrepreneur that's working with us will know that they're taken care of as long as they keep running their day-to-day business, they'll know where they can get that funding. And that's the difference maker because I met an entrepreneur uh, a couple of days ago who got two loans from CDFIs, one of like 4% of the entrepreneurs we meet with who know about CDFIs in advance. And they were amazing loans on good terms, but then during the pandemic ended up getting stuck with a predatory loan that hit her with like 60% interest. And it almost put her out of business. She had to take out a lien on her house in order to keep her business alive. And that's the type of thing that we absolutely want to avoid. That should never happen to a small business owner in this country. And, and, you know, she's super psyched about what we're building for that reason.
0: Cool. That's awesome. Um, That kind of leads into um, what I was about to ask next, Uh, how, I guess, how much have you guys scaled team-wise and like, um, invested in like engineering and technology and I guess the like the overall experience of um, applying and like using eventual products like that.
2: Of course. Yeah. So we, um, we started, you know, it was William and I and a couple others and, and now we're
1: uh, 11 people,
2: um, you know, some, we, we definitely went down an interesting path in terms of growth from a personnel perspective We actually brought on a third co-founder a year ago, uh, his name's Ignacio Samarena. shout out Iggy, um, which has been a, an incredible catalyst in our own growth. He spent the last five years at Monzo, which is a, um, neobank in the UK. So like he knows how to build incredible products, uh, as well as to scale a, a fintech business into, you know, becoming a unicorn. Um, and so. So, you know, it started with Ignacio and then from there, you know, the big transition was from outsource development team to, you know, internal, internal resources, internal engineers. And, um, you know, we've got, we got a few on our team now, which is great. Um, and, and really, I mean, that's where we're going to continue to, 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 staff up um, and make sure that we find, you know, both the individuals that can do great work, but like fit our culture, right? Like I, you know, I, I've, this is the third business I've started and in reality, like, we actually want to build something that like people actually want to come to work at it, come to work and enjoy every single day, right? Like like life is more than just work, even though we're going to work pretty damn hard. Um, like we recognize that like people have aspirations. In reality, this is not going to be their last job working for us, right? Like we want to see yeah. them grow and be successful. So like the team growth thing is 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 honestly top of mind. And and if I'm from my perspective, that's actually what makes or breaks successful.
3: Yeah, if I got, if I have, like, I've, I've cultivated a lot of startup advice in the last, last couple of years here, but one of the most mm-hmm. important things is if you want your business to be successful, convince the smartest people you know to come work with you. And, like, I felt sure. like I had that with Daniel. I felt like I had that double when Ignacio joined. And now with folks like Brandon Kroll leading our tech stack, Christina Espinall leading our customer acquisition and retention. Like we yeah. are in a position where I come to work every day. I never feel like the smartest person in the room, and that's a really good sign for a founder.
0: Awesome. No, that's uh, that's, that's great advice. What I, what I was actually about to ask next is, uh, you know, I'm I myself um, I'm, I'm on on the side outside of the the podcast and I'm working on a project. And and what 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 I, I want to kind of understand a bit better is when you get to that point and it's like time to scale and think about growing the team? Or I I guess the the question is, how do you identify that point? Is it, does that, does that come after funding after raising? Does that come after you've generated like substantial revenue and maybe you're not even like uh, exploring funding and and just need to scale to cover things, people wearing many hats? Like, I guess uh, what, I guess it varies based off the business, but how would you guys describe like, uh, that moment when you're like, all right, we need to expand because this is getting uh, a lot. Yeah,
2: uh, we, 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 get, we get that.
3: Yeah, well, so look, I, I think that the most important thing is something that falls under this bucket that is proof of concept. Um, you need to know that you're going to be able to make money to pay those people. Like there's there's no experience you want to go through where you make a bunch of strategic hires and you're really pumped about it and then the business needs to pivot and the model changes and people become redundant or they or they don't fill a need that the business has anymore so you know a fundraise can be a great time to go out and hire but a lot of startups make the mistake of over hiring um where a team of 5 really focused people can do the same job as a team of 12 when the when the mission matters so i yeah. think the the decision really comes down to like is the is their product market fit so you know people want what you have uh Do you need people in order to fulfill demand that exists? Um, And from a lending standpoint, it's interesting to note, like most lenders want to see a use of funds that's different from key hires because key hires don't translate directly to revenue generation. So if it's money for marketing, that's easier to stomach if you're a lender than a key hire because the key hire, there's no guarantee that that'll translate into more money in the business, a higher likelihood that that loan will get paid back where marketing feels more likely to do that. But Daniel, I'm sure has more thoughts than I do even.
2: Yeah, I, I think um, when, when in doubt, right, like if you, you wanna show that you're growing, meaning you need to be growing from a revenue perspective, um, you know, more demand than you can service, like mm-hmm. in a very, very simple way, is a great time to think about growing from a personnel perspective a great time to think about growing with additional capital or without right like the way we think about money like bringing money into a business is like if you can maximize revenue that's stage number one right if the best you can, way to raise money Best way, right like hire the team and that contributes to growth and revenue awesome next is debt after that right the next is giving up equity in the business and the next after that should be grants and everything else right um and so as you're thinking about growing your your business or your project it's like you know one and and, and also to be clear I, I think part of it is especially for early stage stuff right like like everyone's going to come to the table and negotiate as big of a salary as you want as, as they can right like keep it as lean as possible and make sure that you got the right people around the table and the real question for yourself is if there's no money in the account tomorrow Who's going to say, all right, like, we're going to figure it out, right? Like, that's that's really what it comes down to is, like, when the dust settles if every single person's just there because they're getting that check, all right, fine. But, like, in reality, right, like, like building anything, whether it's a startup or, or, or another business, it's all about finding the right team, which really believes in what you're going to accomplish, incentivizing them long term. And then as you're thinking about that growth point, it's like as soon as you're getting more calls than you can answer,
0: that's really yeah. Awesome. I'm sure our, 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 listeners who are also, uh, uh, either entrepreneurs now or aspiring entrepreneurs would appreciate uh, that deep dive there. A doubt. Uh, I did most definitely. Thanks for that.
1: So what would you say are well, you like your target? Us, are you allowed to blur the waters?
0: I'm sorry.
3: Are you allowed to blur the lines? Can you tell us what you're up to?
0: Uh, so uh, I won't get into too much details, but I, I it's in the Web3 space. Um, I am working with a small team. Um, we're essentially building a DAO right now to um, essentially uh, incentivize uh, group economics on the blockchain for the underrepresented community and tackle, hopefully incubate initiatives that will tackle the wealth gap uh, here, for starters, in America. We're exploring um, NFTs and things of those sorts. We're working on uh, launching a collection. Um, and essentially, uh, the reason why we're, we're going the NFT route uh, initially is because I, I also feel that that's like an alternative way to organically building community and raising. Um, but um, the NFT collection will will duel as a membership to the DAO as well. And the rarities in the collection will be based off of historical figures from the afro Latin diaspora. But like art-wise, seen through a futuristic lens. The uh, DAO is called a uh, diaspora. I love
2: it. Yeah. So I, a quick, quick anecdote there because we're not going to dive too deep into the, the Web three <laughs> <screen laughs> NFT space because, because um, so I, I, uh, I wrote the first my paper in twenty seventeen about uh, the applications of blockchain in sports. Um, I did an IT, I did an ICO in fall twenty seventeen and early twenty eighteen, gave all the money nice. back, built the first NFT marketplace that was approved by the app app store, um, like. I did a lot of work in that space. So we're going to talk offline. I understand the intricacies of trying to build a business in that space. That's so cool. And That's we were so cool. I was super early, to be honest. That was my failure as a founder. We ran out of cash at the beginning of 2019. Um, mm-hmm. And we have partnerships with everybody. But like, you know, it's just a matter of saying, "All right." like I was right about a lot of things, but, you know, it's great to see other brothers like yourself who are building great things in the space now because um, it's definitely mm-hmm. come a long way.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Oh, dope to hear that. It's exciting. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that. That's uh,
1: that's dope to hear. That's why we got to bring us together. So you can this, you know, network leverage each other's knowledge. I think that's important, but um, <laughs> since we're t-
3: makes it all worth it, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. For true. Very true. But since, you know, we were talking about bags, is there a particular customer that you're, you're more inclined to like partner or work with? Are you more on the retail side? Are you looking for people within tech? Like, What does a typical customer look like that you're ideally targeting? And what does a small business consider? Like small business can mean many different things. Is there a particular number, revenue, target, like a little bit more about that?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a a lot of different ways that we can answer this question uh, because small business is a super broad category. And what's interesting is like an early stage startup is a small business, maybe for years before Mm -hmm. they cross the line into something else a creative project like a film is a small business because they get an LLC to put it together. Uh, Visual artists are creating their own companies to sell what they do. Any thing can really be in that small business category, but uh, what we're really focusing on um, is aspiring startups in the consumer space that'll probably be uh, in the small business category for the, for the first while and then pure play small businesses. So brick and mortars, yeah. Um, solopreneurs selling a product, doing it online. Um, and you know, we are we will say we'll work with anybody, but in order to be ready to get a loan, you wanna have a product that already exists. You wanna have uh some sales, you wanna have you wanna be selling it, you want to have some traction, get that positive cash flow going. Um, and so I think that like a really good target for an entrepreneur is See if you can do $100,000 in sales in a year. And if you're able to do that,
1: you're probably a good candidate to get a cash injection in order to grow that. All right. So I have someone for you guys. Um, her name is Genesis and she owns a company called Lorenzo Frozen Puddings. Um, she just got this big deal with Walgreens yes. and she's looking to um, raise some capital. Um, we just had her in a podcast. The episode is out so you can check it out if you yeah, like. Sure. <laughs> but, She's, She's doing big things.
0: Are just our last guest. Yeah. All
3: right. Yeah. yeah and send thanks. samples. Cause that, that sounds
1: good to me. <laughs> <laughs> really, no, we definitely will. We definitely that's will. Why I was saying the same thing. So what is the evolution for you um, guys? But, next? Um, like, what's the next big step? Yeah. So I,
2: I think the next big step is Williams alluded to it earlier. Um, you know, we, we've shown that we can help get businesses funded. And now we want to start to solve, you know, and dig a little bit deeper into the problem set. So, you know, not only we help people get loans, it's how do you manage them? How do you think about refining them? How do you think about, you know, really thinking about debt as a form of working capital and growth over time and making sense of all the financial jargon that exists within your business, right? Like we want to make it truly attainable and easy for people to discover and manage debt, right? Um, So I think that's immediately on on the forefront. You know, the biggest thing, honestly, are we're, we're just laser focused every single day on getting more businesses funded, period. Right. Um, yeah. and, and because like, and, and honestly, it's part of, part of why, you know, I've loved building this business, um, is because our, like KPI, our number one thing that we're cared, we care about literally is the impact that we want to have. Right. Um, and so, you know, we're just continuing to do that every single day. And, you know it's, you know go from the few hundred businesses that, that we've helped this far to you know hopefully you know thousands of the next benchmark and if you know 10 thousands after that and you know again there's there's 20 million businesses out there who, who need what we're offering and um you know we want to make sure that um you know we're readily available we're truly accessible and our product is work product works in the best way possible to help them meet their goals
1: awesome
0: So when when y'all are, you know, working through your day-to-day, uh, you know, perfecting the craft or working through business challenges and things of those sorts, how do you uh, block out the noise, right? Like, uh, how do you stay focused, stay locked in? When you were going through that period of engaging with, you know, VCs, um, investors, angels and all that and getting all those no's, uh, before the, the, the yes, finally, like, I guess, uh, how did you guys stay focused on the task at hand block out any like sorts of negativity and distractions? I guess, what's your method of, uh, you know, like I mentioned blocking out the noise, so to speak. And, uh, you, both of you probably have different answers. I, I, would imagine.
2: Like this this time around for me is, is different than previous because, you know, I, I've, know what to expect, right? Like built a business, sold a business, built a business, shut a business down, not building another business, right? Like, um, and the realities of, of you know, starting any company, specifically a tech company, when you're taking a lot of risk and there's a lot of unknowns and you're trying to redefine or just purely recreate um, is that they're gonna be more bad days than good, right? Like that's, that's mm-hmm. just it. Uh, and, and I remember when I started my first business, it took me a little while to reconcile with that, right? Like, honestly lost a lot of sleep, right? Like, you know, pulled out some hair, like did the whole thing. Um, And and, and I eventually found that like, actually those are the moments where you really learn stuff, right? Like um, every no, every time a launch doesn't go that well, you know, you run a marketing test and like the data sucks. Like there's learning in some of those sort of, what would be seen as failures. Um, And so for me, like, and also to be clear, like I'm an optimist in my core, right? Like it, 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 kind of gets me up every single day. I love the risk. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, you know, my, my, my strategy for it, I mean, William and I both like say stay super active, right? Like I'm I'm on the field, I'm in the gym, I'm cycling, right? Like that's my headspace of release, but yeah, nah, I just, you, you, you kind of have to, especially when you're doing the venture process, right? Like, like you we, we ended up raising from four different funds, five, four, five different funds. Um, and sorry, four different funds. And in reality, like it took 60 plus meetings. It's a lot of no's, but through every single one of those no's, one, we were able to establish a relationship, two, like, I really appreciated those who said why, right? Um, because in every why we're trying to understand, okay, well maybe it's perspective on the market that we don't know that we should, um, um, maybe we're just not a fit and that's okay. Uh, but then a lot of them actually gave us really constructive feedback on like, hey, like here's ways to think about your model that if you hit this, like then we're back, right? So, you know, and honestly, like I use every no as like a uh, item, like I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm show gonna show you, you my, next
0: like, time. My
2: yeah, way Yeah. yeah like, but you gotta listen. All founders, we all have to have a little element of blind confidence. If we don't, we won't true. get through. True, true.
3: I'm gonna answer this one differently, so that so that we're shaken up. Although I, I concur with everything Daniel's saying. You know, I think uh, blocking out the noise for me, it, it's something. It's one of our core values. It's it's community, which means like community at work and out of. work. And it means to me, like a community is some is a group of people that you show up in service to without feeling an obligation or expecting a reward. Like I choose to show up for my community and that happens in the office, the workplace, the entrepreneurs we work with. But it also means that at a certain point, like I got to like put my laptop down and get on the phone with my mom. And like, I got to go out and, and catch up with people. And I got to go yeah. out and see like where, where people around me can benefit from just like, me being a human and not a professional. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and on top of community, it's like, you know, you know, I, I got to trust in the team to take care of things. There's that old, there's like an old maxim that says, if you want something done right, do it yourself. Well, that's like, that comes from, a, from like a, you know, a perfectionist state of mind. And I'm a perfectionist, but what I have to do is cultivate trust in the people around me to show up and take care of things, which gives me the room to continue living life. And know that, like, I can have a hobby and I can take care of that hobby. I can have friends and I can show up for my friends and my family. And at the end of the day, like, I can find a calm place to sit down and meditate and, like, reflect on my day and be happy no matter what, no matter if it was a good work day or a bad work day. Um, and I'm talking meditation. Like, I'm not talking about, like, what, like, you see in movies or, like, that that – like the versions of meditation that have proliferated through society. I'm talking about like sitting still and thinking about what my big toe looks like because I want to be so in the present moment and connected to my physical being <laughs> that I know where I'm at in the world so <laughs> off in the clouds, off into the distance and I just got to get back there and when I do I always feel good. Um, and every day's a good day with that
0: attitude. Awesome man. I agree. I definitely agree. Awesome.
1: All right. So thank you so much for coming in the show. I feel like you guys gave us some really good gems. Um, I guess one last gem in general for people that are going to potentially go through the process of looking for a loan or money in general. What is one thing that you want them to be mindful of that they don't fall down the wrong trap or make a mistake? Like what's one thing you think they should be mindful of?
3: Yeah, well the one thing to be mindful of is that you'll find the best options if you go to securebags.com. Uh we know it works. (laughs) That's for sure. Um but but also like it's important to know that you know there is there is good debt in the world. It exists. There's a lot of bad actors in the space. And so being smart, diligent, making sure you're keeping up with your books, making sure your financials are in order that you're as prepared as possible. And then make sure you use trust and connections. Look for people who want to put money in the community um, and rely on them uh, instead of going places and just like, and and feeling like you have to get desperate because you never do. There's always going to be an answer if you know where to look for it. And then again, you can look for it on securebags.com.
1: I love it. Awesome, man.